services. In our 72nd year of serving Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. WATH Evans. Once again, it's a beautiful day outside. You just got to wear less clothes. 94 are expected high. And mercy, look at that humidity. Special edition today. It's our monthly update with the mayor of Athens, Steve Patterson. And as always, there's stuff going on. So we'll get brought up to date. All right. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome, Steve. Uh, Let's see here. Let me get all my switches just right. I think I got it. All right. Um, Well, how's your last 30 days? (laughs) My last 30 days. Um uh it's it's been a whirlwind um i uh did get a little bit of a respite with my family we uh got away for for about eight days seven days um we're down on the coast but then after that uh, i had a a conference in clemson south carolina are your headphones good i I can hear okay well they're a little bit scratchy can i have your help just for a minute Mine are funky. Um, here, I, w- I will let you hear, and I'll just talk. Okay. Um, anyway. Yeah. I'm sorry, the last thing you said was what? Well, I was you in... You had a vacation? Yeah, it was away, at, uh, way on the coast, and then after that, uh, I had a conference. I had to, came back to Athens and turned right around and drove to Clemson, South Carolina for the International Town Gown Association Conference, to where I was uh, presenting on a panel, but also taking the helm as the president for ITGA, International Town Gown Association. So that was... Now, okay, so, you know, that expression, town and gown, yeah, was one of the earliest expressions I learned when I came to Athens. And, um, you know, I... I guess I thought it was unique, and then I've started to realize way back then that there are other cities and other communities that have the same, I'm not going to say concerns, but goals to to develop a town and gown relationship. Right, right. So how many members are there? Uh, we have uh, over 260 university communities that are part of ITGA um, and growing, which is great. You know, with ITGA, there's uh, International Town Gown Association. There's a couple different ways that people can go about it. You can have a city member. Uh, you can ha- certainly have a university who becomes a member or college uh, to include community colleges. Wouldn't it normally consist of both? Well, see, there are some where... Uh, they do have these individual memberships. And then the vast majority, Dave, are um, joint memberships, much like the city of Athens and Ohio University. We have a joint membership with the International Town Gown Association. And, you know, it's interesting that the term, you know, town gown or the expression, you know, often carried a negative connotation to it. It was kind of a, it almost creates a us versus them kind of an environment. And so ITGA has really strove to, to, um, you know, show best practices that are going on out there, really creative solutions to issues. A lot of it these days, you know, it used to be Red Solo Cup was the big thing. It was uh, all about student drinking behavior and and nuisance parties and whatnot. And now what we see at the conference is some really interesting creative solutions for housing Um, and not just housing for students, but what are university college towns doing when it comes to housing for 
for new faculty and staff, um, it, you know, administration, um, the, their own community, uh, because, you know, a lot of communities that have presented at ITGA of late, you know, certainly are concerned with um, the expansion of single family homes being converted into student rental units or rental units, period. So there's a, that's kind of the one of the hotter topics that are going on. The other thing that we ended up talking a lot about was university college towns rebounding from the pandemic. Uh, mm. Certainly, we're still in the pandemic as it's transitioned to endemic, but it's uh, you know the the uh, we're seeing more and more college towns that are shifting to to hybrid models for employment um, to where a lot of individuals at a, uh, well, let me rephrase, a lot of universities are realizing, you know, do we need all the real estate that we have for office spaces? And uh, can people work effectively um, in a remote uh, remote mode of working? And so that that's another thing that's often being discussed at uh, ITGA. Um, campus mobility is, comes up. We had bird scooters came to Clemson kind of talking about their new and improved um, electric bicycles as well as their scooters and the technologies they have on board and so on and so now, forth. Okay, we had scooters for a while. We did. And it, they, now they've disappeared. Well, it, we had Spin was our uh, the the company. Sc scooter company that was here in Athens, and they decided in 2021 to pull out their product. They pulled it out, they pulled the scooters out, I think it was mid-semester of last year. And it was for several reasons. One, you know, the impacts of COVID-19 on student, on-campus student populations, things of that nature, but also they wanted to increase the number of scooters to uh, from 150 to 300. And, uh, you know, in watching where the placement was of scooters and uh, sundry of different things that came up, um, you know, we opted no. Uh, we still need to see better stewardship of, you know, control of the scooters themselves. And so they decided not to come or they pulled out of Athens. We are uh, in the final stages, I believe, uh, more on the university side of bird scooter coming to Athens. So there will be uh, a new scooter slash e-bicycle company that's coming. They're going to have 200 or 120, 120 um, electric scooters, mm -hmm. but they're also going to have um, 30 electric bikes, um, which are really interesting. Uh, I saw one of them at Clemson. Um, their representative brought both a scooter and a bicycle and the bicycles have a 50 mile or yeah, 50 mile range, which I've been talking with Scott Frank, who's the city manager of Nelsonville and telling him, hey, we're gonna be working with Bird. Most importantly for you, Bird has these e-bicycles. You know, what are your thoughts on, you know, having maybe e-bicycle docking stations or at least places where they can be set out in Nelsonville, you know, work with us on this? Because I would say that, there's an awful lot of students at Hawking College that, you know, may not have transportation, um, but still need to go and get groceries or whatever. And these e-bikes have a basket on them. You know, they're more effective if you wanted to take the bike path, ride all the way to Kroger, do your shopping, right. whatever, and then turn around and come back or whatever they need to do. You know, shopping of other types somewhere in the city of Athens, which a lot of them do. Um, and... Uh, Plus, it'd be a great feature, you know, between the two cities using our existing bike path as we see more and more people come during, during the summer months, um, you know, some people to ride the Bailey Trail system um, or whatever, you know, experience things between the two cities to be able to commute back and forth Do the, you know, so many people. I was just talking to someone the other day and said, hey, you know, I did the bike, bike and brew thing. <laughs> and, uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, these e-bikes could complement a number of different things um, using accessing our bike path. So 
you know, in the near future or in the future, I shouldn't say near because I have no time frame at this point in time. You know, there will be a spur um, off of the Hawk Hawking Indina bike path that goes into Chansey at some point. And, uh, you know, the, these e-bikes could certainly uh, be a useful asset for the village of Chansey. And so anyway, that all said, yes, <laughs> short answer to your question, we did have an e e-scooter company uh, they went away and now we have a new one that is going to be coming and i think they are going to start deploying their product um in mid-august dave okay yeah well i i don't know how long the other company was here but um i'd be stopped at a stoplight and see him and it's i wanted to try it <laughs> you know but never did well with the new with bird coming i highly recommend you trying it i will you know i was at a conference it was the national league of cities boards and leadership conference in indianapolis back in gosh 2018 or 19 and um connie and i were staying uh, not at the conference hotel we were staying at an airbnb i typically do that when i go to conferences because it's a lot less expensive um and plus you're, you're kind of embedded in neighborhoods or whatever. So anyway, we're staying at a place and it was a mile and a half away from where the conference center was. And so every morning and every afternoon, I was on an e-scooter wearing a suit and a tie and cruising <laughs> <laughs> through this down the streets of uh, yeah. Indianapolis. Uh, and it was a great mode of transportation. Um, it was also... Connie's birthday was during that trip, and uh, on her birthday, which is the the twenty fifth of June, we uh, even spent her her birthday evening going to restaurants and out to a couple places, and we we e scootered everywhere we went, and and Connie loved it. So they're yeah. they're great, and the e bikes I've not ridden, but as I understand it, you know these are they're, they're you can power them. Because, um, you know, it's just like a regular bicycle, but it has that uh, basically electric assist that mm. uh, uh, if you're if you're tired of pedaling, you know, if you've done the bike and brew. There's um, a lady in my neighborhood who often has a child in the cart. Uh, I can't remember if it's in front of her or behind her, but a small child. And has e an e-bike? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, there's several of them here in Athens. I've seen them all over and they're great. Well, the, um, you know, y you have been named to a variety of, of uh, representative-type positions on various national and regional um, associations and boards and things like that. Um. You know, what's, um, name a few. Well, I'll, I'll speak to one that I just came back from on uh, Tuesday evening, came back from Washington, D.C. I was there for the uh, U.S. Global Leadership Coalition, and I'm on the Ohio Coalition Advisory Board. And uh, it's a coalition that deals with a, a whole sundry of international issues. Um, one of the things that uh, we were talking a lot about at this conference on Monday, uh, the conference was Monday, and then I was up on Capitol Hill um, Tuesday all day. Uh, but we were talking about, uh, you know, something that's referred to as, you know, using soft power versus hard power uh, when we're looking at, national uh, and more importantly international conflict you know we'll talk about i'll use ukraine as an example mm -hmm. you know diplomacy is your soft power you know and using the state department and the diplomacy i, I remember joining the air force in 1980 and dave the reason i joined uh, and it's interesting I've, I've got my full retirement file and it's everything is in there from the day i was recruited uh, and I remember once I got to my first duty assignment, you sit down with a basically, um, you know, kind of an advisor. Mm. And, you know, one of the questions is, why did you join the Air Force? And I, what I wrote was, you know, I wanted to serve my country and I want to help do my part to get the hostages out of Iran. Um, and I remember vividly November 4th of 19. 
1979 when, uh, you know, the uprising occurred and um, 52 hostages were being held in Tehran. And, uh, you know, to include one of our locals, um, Terry Anderson, uh, was among them. And I remember as a 19-year-old being incensed by that. And uh, But I bring that up. Um, because that's a prime example of State Department diplomacy um, solving that problem, which lasted for 444 days, um, and having uh, Warren Christopher, who was the deputy um, director of the State Department at the time, and being able to negotiate something through what's called was the Algiers um, Accord to have the hostages released. Um, and so that's a good example of soft power is using diplomacy. And so, you know, we were advocating for um, a budget of $74.9 billion to go to the State Department for advocacy because, you know, often we see so much money going to the Department of Defense. Well, the Department of Defense is one point, but, you know, when you think about it, diplomacy, for every dollar spent on diplomacy, it's a $16 savings for what would otherwise be used for hard power, you know, for sending troops, um, purchase of munitions, expenditure of munitions, so on and so forth. So I was there um, advocating for that as well as, um, you know, the, the issues of global warming was another thing we were speaking to, which there's programs under the State Department that deal with climate change and uh, food insecurity. You know, we're seeing grain not being able to leave the ports of the Ukraine, massive amounts of grain. Well, that grain, you know, could be absolutely used worldwide in other locations. And, and uh, again, that's where diplomacy would come in to figure out ways in which to find ulterior modes of getting that out. So it was a wonderful day on Monday. And then on Tuesday, you know, I got to meet with Representative Troy Balderson, uh, we had an Ohio delegation, which was, there was six of us, uh, to include my good friend, Mayor Tito Brown of Youngstown, and uh, met with Representative Balderson, met with uh, uh, Representative Mike Carey, who's our uh, District 15 rep. I had not met him before, um, engaging and met with uh, Representative Turner um, near the Dayton area. Uh, he represents basically the Dayton Beaver Creek area, um, got to meet with Sherrod Brown's, uh, Senator Sherrod Brown's staff, um, and then wrapped up the day with Representative Tim Ryan, um, you know, from the Honing Valley area here in the state of Ohio. And again, got positive responses from all of them in terms of making sure that, that the State Department is significantly funded for their operations. So I'm involved in that. Um, I uh, am in the, on the board of directors for the National League of Cities, and also within NLC, I am the co-vice chair for the NLC's Race, Equity, and Leadership Council. Um, no, let me just say, and I, <clears throat> this is not a criticism at all, <coughs> but when I think back of um, oh shucks, Scott, help me. Uh, Rick Abel. Yeah. Um, some of the other mayors that we've had. Oh, Paul Weil, you know, Sarah Hendricker. You, you know, I, you worked with Sarah, didn't you? Uh, oh, yes. Yeah. We, we were on council together, and then I was president of council when she was mayor. Mayor Bennett. Yes. And then Mayor now, Beckett. Did, there's one I was going to pick. Okay. The, I don't recall them being as engaged in all these different, very worthwhile associations and purpose groups. Um, I remember um, Rick Abel being in a couple. Um, so how how has it come about that Athens has been so invited? <laughs> My persistence. You know, um, I, Dave, I feel it's important for the mayor of every community, 
that has a mayor, whether you're a strong mayor or a weak mayor, is um, you know part of your responsibility is number one responsibility is advocating for your community um, and making sure that your community is safe and prosperous. Um, and one of the ways in which to do that is, you know, to get the name Athens, Ohio, out there on the national and international stage uh, to where people become interested in Athens. And, you know, and I'm always sharing the wonderful things we're doing here in the city, um, both at the state, national, and international level, because, you know, that adds to your return on investment to where we've got people who will come here and and tour through Athens and enjoy tourism in Athens and kids may go to school at Ohio University as OU's enrollments, yay, are up again for the 2022-2023 academic year. We need that. Um, our community needs that. Our local businesses need that. Um, and so, you know, a lot of it is making sure that Athens is in the fore of what people are thinking. You know, we're doing some really cool things on the uh, on reducing our carbon emissions. Um, and I'm always speaking to that so that people become interested in what we're doing. Um, you know, we had a really great success. And it's, again, because I'm persistent in, in making sure I can tell our legislators and our state senators I need your help in money coming in through the state's capital budget. Um, a big success that we got uh, this year is that, you know, three times twice in the past, we had applied to get into the capital budget for the armory and the armory improvements. And we applied again this year to get something in. Um, we had Representative Jay Edwards take a tour of the Armory and kind of get an idea as to what we were thinking of using the Armory for as a co-work, share work space for, you know, people to work remotely, um, digital commuters. And uh, we had uh, Senator Frank Hoagland come and tour through the Armory. And then uh, more recently, before the announcement of the capital budget and the projects that got into it, we had the lieutenant governor come down to Athens and Lieutenant Governor John Husted toured through the armory, which was wonderful. And and uh, um, we were successful in getting $600,000 um, into the capital budget. And so they've funded it and it'll go to the ADA accessibility of that building, as well as what we're referring to as the um, Memorial Hall of Honor for veterans that served out of the Athens, um, Ohio Guard, out of that building. You know, the building was built in, two, in uh, 1915, so it saw uh, Guard members leave from that facility for World War I, World War II, Korean conflict, uh, Vietnam uh, and other conflicts when it was still operating as an Ohio National Guard unit. So this is a, a great addition to the capital stack that we're putting together for the armory building. Um, and we're, we're, again, one step closer to realizing that building coming back online and being accessible to a the simple, public. Simple uh, question. Is, yeah. is the armory owned by this city? Now? It is, yeah. Well, yeah, you may have been a part of that effort, Dave. Uh, I had sort of forgotten. Yeah, that was uh, acquired by Mayor Abel back in um, 1997. Uh, that and a small little building that's at the end of Hudson, south end of Hudson Street. Um, 93 Hudson, I believe is what it is. Anyway, uh, we acquired both of them for $350,000. Uh, but really no plan other than to not see the armory building being demoed by somebody or, you know, turned into a housing of some type. Um, That's, um, I'm sorry, I, you, one, one, folks, let me just give you a heads up here. Uh, the mayor has an appointment coming up, so we're going to have him, not the full show today. But I do want to get started on, um, well, two topics, but one far more important. Uh, one would be... Juneteenth, but the other one, the fire station. Ah, fire station headquarters. Okay, so we've got some stuff changing there. Uh, we do. Um, we were notified um, 
earlier this week, and it was really disappointing information to receive from uh, the develop, Developmental Administrative Agency. It's a, an Ohio agency that kind of oversees um, state lands uh, and the uh, ability for the city to to have a lease for the Stimson Avenue project. Um, we were informed that the 40-year land use lease agreement uh, is something that uh, DSA said cannot happen, um, that it can only be 25 years. And again, the information that we've received is that it can't be renewed. Um, so that was shocking news uh, to come about. So we um, are rethinking things I've spoken to. I was just talking to Chief Reimer this morning. Um, Director Stone is on vacation and we'll be back next week um, to where we'll, we will continue to have conversations as to what options are uh, available to us in not just rethinking things, because I think there might still be some opportunities with the Stimson Avenue project, or location, I should say, um, yet to be explored. But uh, yeah, that... Uh, was really um, yeah. shocking information to receive. Uh, you know, at the beginning of this week, it was uh, Monday morning, and I was in Washington, D.C., and just about sat there and said, I'm canceling this conference uh, and heading back home to get to the bottom of what's going on. But Well, it's... Um, so just in case someone isn't up to speed, uh, there had been a proposal down there on the soccer fields, caddy, caddy corner from um, Sonic Restaurant. Right. Um, that one didn't work out, right? Well, that's the that's the nine acres that we're talking about. Oh, okay. Yeah, and uh, you know it's nine fu fully nine eight nine plus acres, mm -hmm. and we were wanting to use three acres of that property for the fire station and that would be the acreage that's right up against Stimson Avenue as you just indicated you know right there where the one of the four legs mm -hmm. of this roundabout that one that goes nowhere um, goes to a gravel parking lot um, but that's the that was the site uh, now the um, response time is uh, always what they judge fire departments by right so to the farthest point in our city from the present fire station, well, for either, we have two, of course, one on Stimson and one on... Um, on Richland. Richland. Yeah. Not Stimson, uh, Columbus Road here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm yeah. getting it. We're right. thinking the same way. Yeah. 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 The, um, what, what is the longest response time presently? I believe, and again, don't hold me this, Dave, I think it's 12 minutes okay. um, to get out to the far reaches of East State Street um, and, and some other places. And uh, the location on off of Stimson Avenue um, would have reduced almost every response time. So even the closest location, well, closest, the, you know, the... It was kind of concentric rings out from the current headquarters and station two, and then that which would have been or would be the Stimson Avenue site. Um, most response times were re reduced by uh, two minutes. You know, they're they're because of the uh, location of having that one on Richland Avenue. You know, what's great about it is it's response time to get to University Estates, mm -hmm. to get out onto, easily get out onto uh, Elliottsville Road, out near the the, um, the new Morrison-Gordon Elementary School. You know, that was maintained. That None of that really kind of changed. But where things really changed was when you're looking at the Near East the and the Far East side of the city, um, having that location on... You know, on Stimson Avenue would have improved that because to get to let's let's use Menards, brand new large building, that if there were a fire in that building, um, you know, while well, everyone thinks okay, well you don't have to have anything really tall, well look at the size of that footprint. You'd need something tall to reach out over the top and shoot water into it, um, which is what the tower is all about. Having our tower truck, 
Um, so it would have you know really reduced the time to respond to that because you know currently uh, at the current location they're going down um, going going down Lancaster, going down Carpenter, you know possibly going down Stimson and getting on to 50 um, and going around that way or the other way, which is would be slower, would be to use East State Street all the way down to that location. So this would have, the site certainly helps with that. When we uh, set this date for the show, um, another event has come about, which means you need to be there at 10 o'clock. Yeah. I do, I do. So, but before we go, before yeah. we go, um, I you mentioned Juneteenth. So Juneteenth has two really great events going on, and on the 18th, Juneteenth is the 19th, obviously. Uh, on the 18th, um, starting at Baker Center at 10 a.m. is the Juneteenth Health Tour. Um, it's a tour of um, historic black sites in the uptown area. So that's going on. Um, so anyone who wants to meet up, just meet up in front of Baker Center, um, fourth floor Baker Center at 10 a.m. And then the other event is on College Green, and it is the Juneteenth celebration on the 18th from 3 to 6 p.m. I'll be there at 4. Uh, I'm reading a proclamation at that event, but there's all kinds of cool things going on. You know, not that the proclamation is cool, but it's good. Um, but there's all kinds of, there's there's music, there's things for kids to do. It's very family friendly. Um, so we're encouraging people to come out. And the last thing I want to share is that the pool hours on the 19th will be extended until 7 in the evening. So uh, now that the lifeguard staff is fully up and trained, that we're um, going to be extending the, the pool hours uh, which is great news, I think. So not just for that one day, but for the rest no, of the season. for the rest of the season. Yeah, okay. yeah. But excellent. What uh, time has it been closing? Um, I don't recall, Dave. Okay, um, it, but now it's open till seven. Uh, correct. Yep. On the nineteenth. And I've got to run, Dave. Okay, get out of here. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Thanks, and Dave. Thanks, always a yes. pleasure. <clears throat> All right. Uh, good morning, folks. Um, today is National Fudge Day. It's National Career Day. No, 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 no. I have this wrong. National Career Nurse Assistance Day. Um, boy, all those people are important, if you know what I mean. Um, you go to a health facility, and the, the nurse's aides, the nurse that certified this, uh, there's all these different levels, but they all work so well together. And mercy, um, they're all needed for sure. But that's all there is for today. Just uh, what I say, three items. No, two items even. That's that's highly unusual. Today is June sixteenth. Um, let's see. In seventeen seventy nine, Spain declares war on Great Britain, in support of France and the USA. Starting the Great Siege of um, Gibraltar. Gibraltar. There we go. Funny, you can say a word for many years and then you see it in print and it, you stumble on it. Anyway, the Great Siege of Gibraltar, which goes on to last three hours. No, <laughs> I'm sorry. Three years. Seven months and two weeks. That in 1779. 1858, Abraham Lincoln says, A house divided against itself cannot stand. He did it while accepting the Illinois Republican Party's nomination for the Senate. 1858. 1904, Day, which was a date of events in James Joyce's novel, Ulysses. That one I'm not real sure about. 1963, Soviet space mission Vostok 6 is launched. Valentina... Kreshkova was on board 
and in so being became the first woman in space. The year 2000, Israel complies with UN Security Council Resolution 425 after 22 years. Well, what was that? It calls upon Israel to completely withdraw from Lebanon. Israel does withdraw from all of Lebanon except for the disputed Sheba farms. Well, Scott, we've got some famous birthdays here. <laughs> I'm looking at a picture of Stan Laurel, as in Laurel and Hardy. Um, just a mere picture of him makes you want to laugh. But Stan Laurel was born on this date in 1890. He died in 1965. Adam Smith, born in 1723, on this date, died in 1790. Adam Smith. Very stately-looking picture of him. You have anything over there? I do. Adam Smith was a Scottish economist and philosopher who was a pioneer of political economy and key figure during the Scottish Enlightenment. Okay. <coughs> Tupac Shakur. S-H-A-K-U-R. He was a rapper. Known professionally as Tupac, and later Machiavelli was an American rapper and actor, he is widely considered one of the most influential rappers of all time. Shakur is among the best-selling <clears throat> excuse me, music artists, having sold more than 75 million records worldwide. He, now, was, he, was, he was born on this date in seven, <clears throat> 1971. He only lived 25 years to 1996. Yeah, he was shot in Las Vegas. Oh, mercy. Okay, um, here's one we should all know. Geronimo. <clears throat> Born in 1829 on this date, died in 1909. That was uh, one of the Secret Service code names for one of the U.S. presidents, and I'm trying to remember who it was. Reagan? Ronald Reagan, maybe? I better not say. I can't recall who it was. I know it was one of them. Geronimo was a prominent leader and medicine man from the Band of the Apache People from 1850 to 1886. Geronimo joined with members of three other Chicoa Apache bands, the Chichende. Mm -hmm. Chichende. There we go. Why was he so famous? He was a medicine man and known for his fearlessness in resisting anyone, Mexican or American, who attempted to remove his people from their tribal lands. All right, two famous deaths uh, to bring up here. George Reeves. Now, if you're scratching your head, it was the actor who played Superman. Yes, he was one of the first ones. And uh, probably the best known, I would say. Anyway, 1914, he was born. He died in 1959. He was Superman from 1952 to 1958. And uh, his death at age 45 from a gunshot remains a controversial subject. The official finding was suicide, but... Some believe that he was murdered or the victim of an accidental shooting. Werner von Braun, born in 1912, 1977. The name is so familiar to me, but I can't place why. Oh, yes. How about this? Rockets. Uh. Werner Magnus Maximilian 
Freyer von Braun was a German-American aerospace engineer and space architect. He was a member of the Nazi Party and SS, as well as the leading figure in the development of rocket technology in Nazi Germany and a pioneer of rocket and space technology in the United States. If I'm not mistaken, uh, when Germany surrendered, uh, von Braun was brought to the United States to help work on American rocketology, rocket technology as they call it. And if I recall correctly, he was instrumental in developing what we now know as stealth bombers. Germany had that technology ready to go right before the end of World War II. And they had a stealth plane already prepared and made to avoid radar, U.S. and British and Allied radar, but they never got to use it. My goodness, how that would have changed the course of history. It was stumbled upon by American forces uh, in a remote building that was kept away from the public, kept away from the public, uh, kept away from everyone where it was being developed. And uh, American and Allied forces found that uh, during and after the surrender of Germany. Um, the concept is just so, you know, how could they do that? How can they, how can you make something that is non-detectable? Um, yeah, the shape of the aircraft obviously is not detectable by radar. For those of you wondering what stealth is. But I mean, it also means, <clears throat> you know, many things are not, are made out of different substances than yes. metal. Yes. And, uh. And, yeah, they are, the, and those substances you mentioned, the panels on the plane are positioned strategically, obviously, through technology to avoid those radar waves. And they can carry quite a payload of artillery. And again, as I mentioned, had the Germans came up with that technology and been able to use it on Europe and possibly even the United States, what a different world we would be living in. Well, in these last seven minutes of our program today, remember we had the mayor initially, uh, but he had a 10 o'clock he couldn't be late for. Um, you know, we're covering, we're about to cover the biggest interest rate hike in decades. Um, let's put it more specifically in 28 years the Federal Reserve has approved now the largest interest rate hike since 1994 in an effort to continue to slow down the economy and curb high inflation the central bank increased rates by um, three-quarters of a percentage point yesterday, raising the range for its ben benchmark federal funds to 0.75% to 1 and 1.5 to 1.75. The increase means higher borrowing costs, for consumers and businesses, including for credit cards, mortgages, and auto loans. The hike exceeds previous half percentage point increases in March and May as annual inflation reached a four-decade high of 8.6% last month fueled by high prices for food, shelter, energy, well, you get it. In contrast, the Fed typically targets year-over-year -year inflation rate near 
The central bank plans to raise rates more than four times this year. Officials forecast the benchmark rate to reach three and a quarter to three and a half by year's end. Which would be the highest since 2008. Uh, not much time left, but uh, we do have word that a child vaccine approval has been uh, granted or recommended yesterday, um, expanding the authorization of two COVID-19 vaccines from Pfizer, BioNTech, and Moderna. This is a decision that will make the shots available to children as young as six months. And approval would make vaccines available for nearly 18 million children. So that's good news. And by the way, those shots may be available as early as next week. About three minutes remaining here. Let me just scan through here. Nothing that in that one. Let's go over to this one. Oh, yeah. I, I, you know, I think we all might say this in the back of our head. A small number of blocks often account for the most of the gun violence in U.S. cities. Okay. There's some cities I know pretty well. And there's certain parts of those cities where when you hear that there's been violence, gun violence, you, without being told, you say, oh. And then when they say the community, you go, yep. And then others, you know, where it just is rare. Why is that? Uh, good question. Seems like the Columbus area has a shooting almost every day now or every night. Yeah, but They've it been... is largely in the same general area. Well, they, these are parks in the Columbus area that are all spread out over central Ohio. Um, I saw a map where these public parks are have all had incidents. I think there are maybe 10 of them, and it's kind of like in a circle all the way around central Ohio. And they're trying to put their finger on it in the Columbus area, what's going on with this. And, you know, there are children around these places. Well, there are people, for that matter. You know, adults and children. There are swimming pools around these areas. So. Well, I tell you what. It's um, unfortunate. I'm going to dig into this story a little bit more. Okay. Tomorrow. Um, let's, let's do it a little more in detail. Okay. In the meantime, folks, it is a 90. Let's see, it's 84 right now outside and sunny. We're headed up to 94. Uh, many of you were concerned yesterday with the heat. I don't think it'll be quite that bad. But it's still going to be hot. So uh, be careful out there. And um, there's, um, of course, drink water. There are some things that are liquid that you shouldn't drink because they, they don't help with hydration. So do a quick story on that. Read it up on it and take care of yourself, okay? Okay. In our 72nd year of serving Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. This is CBS News on the Hour, presented by Indeed.com. I'm Deborah Rodriguez. 
Markets are reeling a day after the Fed raised interest rates three quarters of a percentage point, the steepest increase in 30 years. Right now, the Dow is down 647 points. That's almost two and a half percent. Market analyst Michael Farr on the wild gyrations. People are more concerned about protecting what they have than they are about how much money they could make. That shift in sentiment sticks with you a long time. And it scares people out of the market. S&P futures, get this, they're down 101. Another public hearing, the third into the January 6th attack, opens on Capitol Hill in a few hours. CBS's Nicole Killian says some of the focus will be on Donald Trump's former lawyer, John Eastman. CBS News has confirmed documents recently reviewed by the committee found email correspondence between Eastman and Ginny Thomas, the wife of Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, as first reported by the Washington Post. Jen Jenny Thomas also exchanged 29 text messages with Trump Chief of Staff Mark Meadows about overturning the election results. The Biden administration is investigating reports of two missing American fighters in Ukraine. Pentagon correspondent Cammie McCormick. The U.S. is still seeking information about the whereabouts of Andy Wynn and Alexander Drukey, both of Alabama. Drukey's mother spoke to CBS Mornings. He felt very strongly that Putin needed to be stopped because he said Putin is not going to be satisfied with just part of Ukraine or even all of Ukraine. The two were said to be in the Kharkiv region in northeastern Ukraine near the Russian border when they disappeared. They could be the first Americans captured since the war began in February. The FDA is acknowledging massive storms in the Midwest have flooded out Abbott's key baby formula plant in Sturgis, Michigan, bringing production to a halt again. Commissioner Robert Califf. This is an unfortunate setback and a reminder that uh, natural weather events can cause unforeseen disruptions in supply chains. We are just getting word the water supply is back in Billings, Montana, after floodwaters there forced a short a shutdown, that is, at the city's treatment plant. Kids as young as six months could be getting COVID shots next Tuesday after FDA advisors gave their full backing. Anna Matheson intends to get her youngest daughter vaccinated. I am relieved. I think it's a good thing, and I would be more relieved if we hadn't all had COVID and had COVID recently. A fallen Hollywood stars made a court appearance in London. Kevin Spacey pleading not guilty to accusations he sexually assaulted three men. Down